You are listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hello all, and welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Hall from DreamLoud Studio. And I'm Vadim Karaz from Calm Frog Recording. We've been, like you said a couple podcasts ago, we've been killing the podcast game lately. Recording every night. It's uh, <laughs> Pure Played NBA Jam. We're, we're heating up. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh, we just dated ourselves so yeah, bad right yeah, there. Yeah. But um, anyways, what's been going on in your life? Uh, what's been going on? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm working on building out a bit more of a remote mixing gig so i'm not just tied to the studio not a gig but just my my remote mixing setup i'll say so i can work on music on the go and i've been um it's actually going to tie into this episode because some of the things i'm considering i think are are going to be relevant to our listeners for this episode but yeah one of the things i'm looking at i know i uh i made you drink the kool-aid on sonarworks reference four he did and I just heard about this new plugin from this French company called Blue Cat Audio. It's called Rehead. And what it supposedly does, I'm, I'm always skeptical on these things, but what it supposedly does is it makes it sound like you're listening in headphones, but it makes it sound like you're listening on monitors. I got to read more about it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I haven't read the details. But one of the things it does is it simulates your head, <laughs> the acoustics of having your physical head in a space and how your head affects the acoustics of what of uh, or affects the sound coming out of your monitor. So needless to say, I'm always skeptical on these things, Ben. And I know before when we were talking offline, you were like worried that I was going to make you buy another yeah. plugin. And I'm not, I'm not, but I might try this one out <laughs> just see what it does. Now, when you say your head, I know that you mean there's probably some generic golden ratio head out there that they're emulating but wouldn't it be so cool if yes if they sent you like a molding kit that you just had to like you know mold your head and send it back into them that's the next level yes that would be the next level like scan my head and then like also (laughs) extrapolate for when my hair grows out because i'm sure i have a dense hair so i'm sure my hair as we talked with uh, Yesco, mm-hmm. my hair is very efficient, <laughs> porous absorber. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like a this is devolving into like a gear sluts forum like like comment section right now. Yes, I I apologize for nothing. I was even looking at su- surprise surprise. I was looking at headphones the other day, and uh, <laughs> oh my god, you're looking at more headphones. No, I'm not looking at the. You have a problem. Just... <laughs> we we're gonna stage. I'm going to get some listeners and stage an intervention for you. No, no, please. Um, I'm not going to, I swear to God, I'm not going to buy any more. I don't need any more headphones. <laughs> okay. I'm just curious to see why are these headphones $1,000? You know, what could possibly, what could, are they doing to them that make them that valuable? I see. But it, but it is interesting. I did read on the latest, I think it was Sony headphones or maybe Sennheiser that the newest thing that they're doing is they're angling the headphone drivers to have a more optimal, uh, or make it simulate sitting in front of speakers more. So instead of the drivers being directly on your ear, they're kind of, they're positioned in front of your ear more and angled towards them. So it's kind of like you're getting hit by Ah. sound 
more from an angle on the front than it is directly on the sides because I always have that problem Interesting. when I'm mixing or listening to music where I hate guitars that are too wide because it sounds like they're coming from behind my head. And I don't like that. Mm. So it's just interesting to me that they're doing stuff to fix that. From a listening standpoint, that would be interesting to see what that does. From a mixing standpoint, we want our, our songs to sound good in all kinds of headphones. So I could see the benefit of having you know, multiple different uh, kinds there. Not that I'm in any way enabling you <laughs> to uh, buy any more headphones for crying out loud. Oh, jeez. You got to stop Okay. It. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> anyway, what's, uh, what's our episode about today? Today, we are going to probably way overdue, but we are going to help you guys optimize your computer for audio production. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Vadim and I have a list of a bunch of different things, half of which I have tried out today on my own computer because I hadn't been doing them yet. So this is the benefit of having a podcast and researching this stuff is that I'm always learning new things too that I haven't even implemented yet. So most of these are going to be things you can do on your computer backend with processes and changing settings to make it more optimized. But I also want to talk about a little bit of organization and um, I'll maybe even leave some room to talk about people that are maybe buying a new computer or building a computer. So we'll start there real quick. And I know we've touched on this before with building your home recording setup way back in the early days of this podcast. I think that might be episode two, three, or four, somewhere in there. But we've... We've touched on this stuff briefly, but we're going to go a little bit more in depth today. The first thing I kind of want to talk about here is the difference between an SSD drive and an HDD drive. So we've got solid state disk drives and hard disk drives. Hard disk drives have been around for quite a while, pretty much since um, computers have been a thing. And that's where you have mechanical disks inside of a drive that spin, and then all the computer data is written onto those hard disk drives. Well, very recently, since flash memory has improved to such a degree, now we're having whole hard disk drives built out of these uh, flash flash, uh, components. So it's basically like plugging in a flash drive into your computer only with way more capacity so that you can actually store an operating system, a DAW, and other kind of programs on it. So I think in an ideal world, all of our disk drives would be solid state drives because they're extremely fast. Well, that's the main reason, isn't it? They're extremely fast. They're quiet. The downside though is they're on the more expensive side, at least for now. Hopefully in the future, they can get the price of these down a little bit more. So ideally, we would have all of our storage on SSD drives, but I think in a more practical world, we would try to at least get our operating system, DAW, and main programs onto an SSD drive. And that's the way I've partitioned out my home recording setup. When I set out to build my PC for recording, I did a lot of research and the thing I knew that I wanted to do was I wanted to invest and get a, not a huge SSD drive, but a 250 gigabyte solid state drive that I could house my Windows operating system, my Presona Studio One DAW, 
and all the other software that I use to make music. And that can be everything from plugins to um, all the virtual amp simulations that I have or some of the other virtual instruments synthesizers that I have. The reason for that being is that when you have your operating system in particular and also your recording program set up on a solid state drive, they boot up extremely fast and you're not having to go into slower mechanical hard disk drives every time that you need to boot up a program or such. Now, I pair that in tandem with all of my session files wave files and such go on hard disk drives. The main reason being because it's much cheaper. You can get a lot more space for cheap with hard disk drives. And so since recording sessions, I do a lot of them since I'm a recording studio. And uh, a lot of the sessions, wave files, if you have multiple wave files in a session, it's taking up a lot of space. You don't wanna fill up your expensive SSD drives super quickly instead you can have that recorded space go onto hard disk drives ideal like i said ideally we would have everything on an ssd drive but if you have to use something other than an ideal setup i would say use an ssd drive for your main programs and then just hard disk drives for everything else that was a lot to start the episode with what do you have to say yeah i think uh, you know as a even even backing up from the SSD drives, uh, like the computer I'm talking to you on is is an SSD drive, but I don't use that. That's kind of my everyday, every all-purpose computer. My audio computer doesn't have any solid-state drives, but hmm. I think the key there is that you got to think about what's happening there. On a on an HDD, you have a physically spinning disk, so it takes time, and it, it takes time for the computer to retrieve information off of that disk, and so. A common optimization technique is to not have your operating system and your DAW on the same hard disk drive that your audio files are stored on. So if you can partition that, even if you don't have any solid state drives, if you have two HDDs, have one which has your operating system and your DAW, and then the second one where you're actually storing your session audio files, your samples for your virtual instruments and so on. That's a great point. Thanks for adding that. All right, moving on a little bit. Um, another good rule of thumb when optimizing your computer for audio production, always leave 10 to 20%, ideally 20% of your boot drive and drives free. And I know I am very guilty of this. <laughs> I, I have a tendency to download files, whether that be sessions or new ins installer files or whatever else and i'll just leave it in my downloads folder i won't clear it out and i just looked today and i had 26 gigabytes of downloaded content and a lot of it was in zip folders what do you mean what is that what do you have 26 gigabytes of so basically just like in your downloads yeah folder. in my downloads folder so okay gotcha I, I should explain exactly and this gets more into organization i'll talk about it a little bit later but essentially if i get a, a session file from a client they'll send me all their wave files over together and when i download that from google drive or however i receive those files i'll download it into my drive or into my downloads folder and then from there i'll move it over into a separate session file but 
I like to keep that in there at least for the time being for download just in case something didn't work or, or anyways, it's just the easiest way to get it onto my computer. And a lot of times I forget to clean out that folder. So I just have months and months and months worth of just these downloads that come in as stems. And all of that is going mm-hmm. on to my boot drive that has my operating system. And so I look today and I only had like 5% or less space left on that drive. And this was surprising for me to learn out, but, or I'm sorry, this was surprising for me to find out about solid state drives, but you actually need to keep, um, they recommend keeping at least 20% of your boot drive or solid state drives free so that they have some room internally to move around files. They slow down as you fill them up to capacity. So it's a good idea to not overfill them. If you run out of space, either make some space or buy another hard disk drive. Gotcha. Interesting. Just another note on partition, since that's what we're talking about. This one is a little more, maybe not controversial, but uh, what's the word? There's, There's varying opinions on this, but... I've made the conscious decision to have my my main studio computer is just that. It's connected to the internet. It's not completely gapped, but I'm very disciplined and limited on what I will do internet-wise on that computer. Like I'll check my email. If I have to download some software, I will do that. But I'm not like browsing the internet. I'm not uh, shopping. <laughs> I'm not doing anything that's going to install cookies or trackers or anything like that so it is good to have a little bit of discipline there and um, especially for some reasons that we'll get into where like we may want to limit how much we do in terms of background applications like antivirus stuff because again that all just chews up our uh, processing power so uh, it's a good idea to be a little bit disciplined if you can if you have multiple computers which I know not everybody does but try, if you can, try to keep your recording computer as your recording computer and not do uh, a bunch of other things on it. That's a really good point that you brought up. Even if you don't have a problem with getting distracted, by just browsing the web, you're going to have trackers installed on your system that they use for ads. And so right. if you don't have the option of completely disconnecting, there are, I won't list them here, but there are free programs out there that will clean off your registry and remove all that stuff. And it does make a difference. I use it on a regular basis. Cool. Not only does it help your computer run faster, but it, having that discipline also does minimize distractions. When you're working on music, you're not going to be tempted to like check out this YouTube video. Like, no, that's not what I do on this computer. On this computer, I make sweet, sweet jams. That's, and that's it. it. You so, know it, man. What do you got next? Next, uh, we're going to talk about RAM a little bit. This is in particular if you are running a lot of virtual instruments in your DAW or you want to, um, let's say you're making electronic music or you have something or you have a lot of tracks that are running at the same time. First thing you want to do is look at your computer specs and see how much memory is installed on your system. And depending on what you have, you might be out of luck if you have a Mac. So. I'm 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 sorry if that's the case because I'm pretty sure with Macs there's no way to upgrade. So that's something to keep in mind whenever you go out and you buy your next MacBook uh or iMac whatever it is. I would say at a minimum, at a very minimum you need at least 
eight gigabytes of RAM. I think that comes standard now, but I would recommend at least 16, if not more. On my system at home, I have 16 gigabytes, and I was thinking about completely revamping and going to 32 gigs of RAM. It's not that expensive. Huh. I think it's probably somewhere around $150 to buy 32 gigabytes of RAM. Maybe we should talk about that too. How do you know if you have a RAM problem in your computer? The way to figure this out is if you're running a lot of tracks, if you're running a lot of virtual instruments, and then all of a sudden you just start noticing some weird pops or crackles or audio slowing down, or maybe you open another you open a browser window and all of a sudden you're, you're, which you shouldn't be doing anyways because this computer is optimized for audio, like we said. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you'll notice that all of a sudden if you're playing music and you get to a complicated part of the song, everything slows down. That is typically a RAM issue. And a lot of times it's as simple as just buying more memory and putting into your computer to make it faster. Have you played around with this a lot, Vadim? I have not. I think I have 16 gigs as, as well on my current system. Um, I do touch the limit occasionally on larger sessions. Um, I have not considered increasing my RAM because I, I just haven't felt that I need it yet. If I bought a new computer today, I'd probably go higher as well. But I did just, uh, as you were talking, I, I did look it up, and I guess... Max, it's a little bit dicey. You may be able to upgrade your RAM, but on newer machines, it's it's a, it seems like it's a bit of a risky procedure, or you may not be able to at all without uh, risking damage. So definitely not a DIY recording guy sanctioned <laughs> <laughs> procedure there. Okay, cool. So what you, what you got next for us? Some of this stuff is common to Windows and Macs, where some of it is unique to one or the other. So we'll try to kind of cover cover both grounds as as much as we can. Uh, one thing I have here is just to mind your background program. So a lot of computers come stock with software that you may not need to use. And some of that software may want to run in the background. For example, I know uh, newer Windows machines come with like uh, OneDrive. OneDrive is kind of like iCloud. It's a cloud-based storage system. It, it is wonderful for backing up your files. But that type of stuff can be running in the background, constantly checking to see if your Local drive is synced with the cloud, and that all chews up your computer power. So it's a good idea to be mindful of what's running in the background, check your system's uh, settings, and try to disable those things if you can. Another one, common one is like uh, software or even your uh, operating system will, will check for updates automatically. It'll be set to check for updates daily or hourly or whatever. It's a good idea to turn those things off. And you got to be a little bit careful of, uh, actually, I have a funny story about this, but you have to make sure that your machine and your software is up to date. But you want to kind of do that manually. And again, this takes a little bit of discipline, but you want to try to disable these things, automatic update checkers, antivirus, and so on, because it chews up power while you're working in your session. And my, my story with this, I think I told you this before offline, but I was having problems with a plugin that I bought. Oh, yeah, you did. And I was going back and forth with the support support guy and I was I started actually getting really mad at him because he was like, "Well, we haven't seen this problem on any other system." And I was like, "Listen, I paid for, I paid money for this and I can't use it. You guys have to make this right or that's fine. I won't use it. Just give me my money back." And long story short, I figured out that I I had turned off my automatic update checker on my Windows and I had like a bunch a bunch of updates, probably 
three years worth of updates. Oh my <laughs> I hadn't gosh. Done. And once I did those updates, those software problems went away. So um, yeah, that's my story is I definitely optimized my PC for recording, but then I forgot to uh, manually check for updates. So I actually did this today on my Windows computer. And I was very surprised to see what was constantly running in the background. Yeah, tell me, what did you see there? A lot of things from Mac, actually. iTunes, always looking, running in the background. Yeah. QuickTime updates, yep. iTunes, <laughs> I think Spotify, Chrome, which is interesting that it's always running in the background, even if you don't have a window open. I actually kind of, I love Chrome and hate it at the same time. I, I, I love it because it's easy and the interface is useful, but I hate it because it eats so much memory. It's a memory hog. Yeah, what else was running? Dropbox, Google Drive. Yep. Yeah, just a bunch bunch of different things that I figured I don't need those automatically running. I can open them whenever I need to. Right on. Cool. What's next for you? This is, uh, again, more like you said, there's a couple of uh, work process things on here as well. But you want to make sure that any audio samples you're using are stored locally with that session. This is something that can happen if you're not careful. Uh, let's say you're working Ooh, in a session. You know you have some samples stored on your machine. You want to import those into your session. So you click on File, Import. You import the files. You find them. You manually kind of navigate to them. But it turns out they were actually living on somewhere else, maybe in your Downloads folder. Right? So you've imported them into your session. And now your session knows that it has to look into the Downloads folder to get that sample. So when you're working, it's fine. But then three months later, you're like, Ben, and you find, oh, I, man, I got 25 gigabytes of stuff in my downloads folder. I'm going to delete all right. of it. You delete all of it, and then you try to open a session that was looking for in that location for files, and you find that now files are missing. So just a, a good rule of thumb there is if you're going to use samples or files, audio files in a session, physically copy or move those files into the session folder. And that way, everything is in one place. If you want to back those files up or send them to somebody, you have one folder which in, which kind of encloses or contains all of your session data. This is great. Um, my next point was to get organized. And I, I, there's a perfect segue from, <laughs> from what you were just talking about. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you're 29 episodes in. You start reading each other's minds. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. If I could go back to Ben from 2016, back, back before he started DreamLot Studio, the, the main advice I feel like that I would give 2016 Ben would be get organized about how you store files <laughs> on your computer. And okay. it's, you're, I mean, out of all the advice I could give my former self when it comes to running a studio, you're like, really? That would be it? That would, that would be the thing? I, I cannot tell you more emphatically that 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 would be it. But yes, that, that would be the thing. And the reason is, is it would have saved me so much time and headache with hunting down files and figuring out where things are installed on my system. And this could be really tricky. So I'll give you guys some, some advice. So hopefully if you're building out your recording rigs, you don't go through the same heartache that I've gone through. But when you go to install programs on your system, by default, they have rooted drives that they want to look for to install their programs in. A lot of times it's C slash program folder. And that's just where they tend to look to download by default. And 
I think it's worth taking some time and saying and, and getting organized before you, if you're starting from scratch and you're trying to organize your system, it's worth taking some time to partition some hard drives or say, this is where I'm going to store everything that's a plugin and have a separate area where all my plugins are going to get installed here in this area or on this specific hard drive. And then on this other hard drive, this is where I'm going to save all my session files. And it's going to be labeled by or by artist name, by song, by date, and what the BPM is. Just, just everything that you possibly can be to be organized. It's only going to help you in the long run. And it's very much uh, related to what you were talking about, Vadim, where if you're downloading samples or you're importing samples from one place to another and you don't have a good way about organizing where they're going, then maybe years down the road whenever, or you know, it doesn't even have to be years, but weeks or months when you go back in and open that session and you see that stuff is missing, it might be because you moved something from one folder to another and you didn't realize, oh my gosh, stuff in my downloads folder uh, was included in the session and now it's not there anymore. So um, right. it really is worthwhile being very deliberate about when you install things on your system, you know where they're going and change them if need be. Yeah, I agree with you. Organization is big. I mean, I'm pretty meticulous and I still get caught sometimes mm. because, you know, in the heat of the session, you're like, I'm just going to import this quick sample you know, you just want to keep moving and then you, you didn't name it. You didn't, yeah. <laughs> you don't remember where it's stored. So yeah, being disciplined definitely helps here. Uh, next thing on my list is the right port for the right job. And this is um, mostly to do with USB, but if you'll, you know, USB ports, there's, there's been multiple iterations. Um, currently is USB-C, which is a different port, but USB 2 and USB 3 are still very common on PCs and Macs and they are different but they're back, uh, USB 3.0 is backwards compatible. So where this becomes important is you can take a USB 3.0 device and plug it into a USB 2.0 port, and you may not be getting the full advantage of having that USB 3.0 increased uh, bandwidth. So uh, just keep that in mind. The USB 3.0 ports are blue on the inside. So if you, like my computer has both USB 3.0 and USB 2.0 ports. So I'm trying to be careful with uh, not kind of, uh, mismatching the two. If I have a USB 3.0 device, I plug it into a USB 3.0 port. If it's just a USB key or something that doesn't matter, like a licensed dongle, I'll plug that into the USB 2.0 port so I'm not tying up a USB 3.0 port. Well said, Vadim. It's good stuff. Um, talking about USBs as well, I don't know if this is as much specific advice I can give people, but I do want to let people know that this can be a problem because I ran into it. So probably about a year ago, I started noticing all of a sudden my computer was super sluggish. Everything was taking forever. Like mm. it took, it was taking my DAW like over a minute to start up. And then session files were taking forever. And I could not figure out why. Like at first I thought, oh man, maybe I have a hard disk drive that's dying or it's getting old. But I had my computer genius friends come over and they took a look at it and they said, no, everything's <laughs> Your, your hard disk drives are completely fine. So we were really racking our brain to try to figure out what was going on. And it turns out I had an external hard drive plugged into my system. 
um, that I was using for backups. And sometimes I had some sample libraries on there as well that I would look through. And that external hard drive was, it's, it was getting old and it was starting to die. And something with the connection to my motherboard was causing my CPU to freak out. And essentially what was happening is the signal wasn't strong enough or it wasn't staying on from my external hard drive. And so it essentially was communicating to my computer that, oh, this device is there, it's not there. It's there, it's not there. Like constantly, hundreds of times per minute. And so my computer oh my God. was constantly looking for this external hard drive and then not seeing it anymore and then looking for it. But because I had programs and sessions all connected and tied to it, my computer was constantly looking for this external hard drive and it was literally taking up probably 50 to like 60% of my CPU power just looking for that external hard drive. So the word of warning for this is that external hard drives can and do fail. So oh, yeah. in some ways it's good to maybe replace those things every four or five years. And um, if you can get away with not having them plugged in all the time, but see, that was the problem I was having. I had specific sample libraries I was using on on that external hard drive. And really what I should, should have been doing was I should have downloaded them onto a hard disk drive in my computer to use. And then just use the external hard drive to plug in um, periodically when I needed to do a backup instead of having it connected continuously. Yes, that, that is a better system. I, I agree. I, yeah, you want to have your sample libraries kind of uh, on internal drives, I think, if, if possible. I do have an external drive. When I buy external drives, I actually take a Sharpie and write the date I bought them on it as a reminder, because you're right, I think it's a good idea to replace them every couple of years. Although I've, I've since gone to, um, I do still back up onto an external drive, but I also have cloud backup, which maybe is a good segue into this next point. And I kind of mentioned this already, but like my cloud backup, I've, I've set up on a schedule so that if my computer is on at a certain time every weekday, my cloud backup system runs. And what it does is it checks for what, my, what changes have been made to my audio drive, which is where I'm storing my session data. And any files that have been changed, it basically uploads them or any files that have been added, it uploads them into the cloud, and then it shuts my computer down. That's how I have it set up. And when I set it up, I told myself, well, I should be a responsible adult and I should not stay up past 11.45 p.m. And so at 11.45 p.m. on weekdays, my computer will back itself up and shut down. And guess what? Inevitably, I'm working on a mix late at night and 11.45 rolls around and I don't get any warning. And Ben, this has happened to me no less than two times. <sighs> and all of a sudden, my computer <laughs> screen goes black and says shutting down. And I'm like, no, because <laughs> I don't remember when the last time I had saved oh was. Oh my gosh. So long story short, be aware of scheduled tasks. Um, mm. Just be aware of them. <laughs> this is one that I've that's bitten me a couple of times. That's a really good point. Um, and I think... Just shutting down or turning off any automatic processes on your computer, like things like screensaver or sleep mode, turn them off because, first of all, it's really annoying to 
be working on something and take a break from it and come back and your computer is like in sleep mode. But more annoying than that is that stuff inevitably just jacks with your your audio drivers and stuff. So a lot of times that winds up crashing your session and hopefully you saved in the recent past or else you've lost some information. So I just find it's better to just turn all that stuff off. I've got a couple things to tie in with that. So I, I guess I'll just rapid fire them all out here right now. Um, adjust your PC's power options. Uh, this is for PC and Mac users. Adjust your power option to high performance. Uh, by default, a lot of these computers, they come with uh, like a energy saver mode enabled. So if you go into your preferences, you can turn that off and turn it on high performance, which will use more energy. But in audio production, we're using a lot of CPU power. We need every ounce of energy we can possibly have. And then the other one, we talked about this before, no. We didn't talk about this yet. This one was actually really interesting to me. And after thinking about it, it made sense. But I had not heard of this before. And I actually just switched it on my system today. So you can go in and adjust your process scheduling to from programs to background services. And what that does is it tells your CPU to focus more on background services than it does on the programs you have open. And I think what you would say mm. to, to Ben is, Ben, that doesn't make any sense. Don't I, don't I want my computer to focus on the program that I have open? Your reasoning makes sense, but why it doesn't make sense in this context is that your audio drivers always run in the background of your computer programs. So think mm. of it this way. If I have a DAW, my digital audio workstation open that I'm recording into, the foreground program is my DAW. But the background program that all the audio is running through is my Focusrite Scarlet audio driver. That's what's processing or where all the audio is going through. So if you have hmm. your computer set to focus on the program, it's going to not focus as much CPU usage on anything happening in the background. But for audio production, you want it set to background services. Take my word on it. Have you ever heard of that before, Vadim? No, I did not know that. Uh, that is very interesting. And and a note, I do have a note on on drivers. Uh, drivers are can be a bit confusing. Uh, there's a number of different drivers for Windows machines. For for Mac, you don't really have to worry about drivers as much. But for Windows machines, there's a number of different drivers which kind of act as the bridge between your digital audio workstation and your interface or your sound card. And the most common one that we care about is ASIO drivers, which uh, have the advantage over other drivers because they bypass your, your, Windows, uh, your Windows system effectively. So they, they allow the DAW to communicate directly to the interface. So this, this uh, driver was invented by Steinberg as a way to reduce latency. And so... The interface you're using probably came with drivers. It's a good idea to just have the most up-to-date drivers you can. If all else fails, you can always draw, uh, download a generic ASIO for all. Mm. Four is the number four. ASIO for all driver. And that is sometimes a useful troubleshooting tool if you're having a hard time with the drivers from your uh, interface OEM. Have we? I don't know if we talked about this yet, but uh, disable your startup programs. 
So you can determine what programs will launch whenever you start your computer. And the way to do this on your PC is to open the task manager, which a uh, simpler shortcut is control alt delete. And then you'll see task manager at the bottom and you can mm. open that. And there right. is a startup tab. Uh, I also had a surprising number of programs scheduled to start up. Mm. Um, so I'm, kind of interested to turn on my computer tomorrow to see what actually loads and what doesn't or, or how quickly <laughs> it loads I should say yeah uh, another note on USB hubs so um, you may run into a situation where you run out of USB hubs and I want to talk about a couple of solutions there one solution is a USB uh, sorry, USB ports is what <laughs> I gave it away. Well, USB ports you might is what you might run out of. A USB hub is one solution. A USB hub is basically uh, a little device that is kind of like an extension cord, but for USB. So you plug the USB into one of your USB ports, the male USB, and then the hub has a bunch of female ports that you can then use to plug your devices into. And there's two different kinds here that you want to be aware of. One is a passive hub, which does not have an independent power supply versus an active USB hub, which does have a power supply. And we've talked about this a little bit when we talk about USB interfaces. When you plug something into a USB port, it's actually getting like a 5-volt DC uh, power from that USB port, or at least it can if it needs it. But if you plug in a lot of kind of power-hungry things into your USB port, basically the port can't handle it and it'll malfunction. Mm. So in that case, like if you want to run multiple interfaces for God knows what reason, but if you want, or, you know, if you want to basically power multiple things off of USB, you may want to use a powered USB hub. So a powered USB hub will still plug into a single USB port, but then it'll also have an external power supply that plugs into like your wall socket basically, and you can get more. You can avoid uh, sucking your um, USB port dry. Hmm. Um, another way to prioritize this is be a little bit choosy. Like, for example, if you have something that's power hungry, like a USB uh, audio interface, a USB audio interface, plug that into a dedicated port, its own port. Whereas if you have low power things like a USB mouse, let's say, and a licensed dongle like an iLock, well, yeah, then you could use a passive hub off of a different port and you shouldn't have a problem. And I'll say one more thing about USBs here. There is a, another kind of power-saving feature which can be problematic. It's called uh, select, USB Selective Suspend. Basically, it allows the computer to kind of selectively cut power to certain ports in order to reduce battery usage. And this is another case where you may want to consider turning that off uh, in order to minimize the risk of like cutting power to something like a licensed dongle and then all of a sudden your software says hey I don't see a license for this uh, when really it's just because the power has been cut to mm. that device. Good points. Really good points there. I do want to talk about buffer size. Most interfaces come with a separate program uh, for Focusrite it's called Mix Control but I also have a Steinberg one that is, it's called something else, but in there, um, you'll have something labeled like buffer size. You could be having a couple different issues, uh, but if you're hearing too much latency, which would be um, 
it would manifest as too much delay back in your monitoring system. Mm. So if you're playing guitar, you're singing, and you can hear yourself echoed back a, a second later or a fraction of a second later, then your buffer size might be set too high. So you would go into that mix control setting uh, and you would lower that as low as you possibly can. The other problem that you might be having is if your buffer size is too low, you could be getting some pops and clicks. So if you have a lot of plugins running or a lot of virtual instruments, a lot of CPU heavy things, that requires a larger buffer, a, a lot more processing every essentially sample that goes by. Every second of audio that happens, it just requires more processing. So you would want to set your buffer size higher for that. I know that I talk about this more than you. You you have a sweet spot that you set your buffer at, don't you? Yeah, I've kind of found an acceptable sweet spot and I don't mess with it unless I, I run into issues. I know you were saying that you actually use two different settings uh, between recording and mixing, which, which uh, I can definitely understand why you would do that for sure. I just had a, a couple of quick notes for Mac users. If, if any of you Mac users are in the crowd, there's a couple of Mac features that uh, Macs are, you know, they have a lot of really awesome features, but again, some of these can, can jack up some of your, uh, your CPU and processor power. So there's a feature called handoff, which allows you to kind of sync across multiple devices. So if you're working on one device, then you want to switch and work, start working on your iPad handoff will let you do that, but it actually is something you want to turn off because first of all, you're probably not going to be working on music on your iPad or your iPhone. Uh, and you don't want to be that handoff function to constantly be checking for things. Uh, another cool trick is uh, spotlight is something on Macs that you can use to search for files on the computer that you actually want to make sure that the DAW uh, is included in that so that you can use the spotlight feature from your DAW if you're looking for files. Another thing is notifications. This applies to PCs and Macs. Notifications are things that pop up and make a noise. They don't chew up a ton of computer power, but they're annoying and they make sounds. So they could ruin something like a vocal take. Um, finally, two more things here. Disconnect unused devices, such as printers and scanners. If you have them and they're not currently in use, then you don't want the computer constantly trying to communicate with them. And similar to what we mentioned with OneDrive, uh, things like iCloud and Time Machine, which are kind of uh, Max backup systems, those things are you. Those are things you want to disable and only use manually. And the last one I have is good old Siri. Make sure Siri doesn't make a sound during your session. Imagine if your vocalist has a word in there that sounds like Siri, and then Siri says, I'm sorry, I didn't get that, right in the middle of your uh, chorus take. That'll, uh, that'll ruin your day. <laughs> That's a good point. I have a couple Google Home like hub station things, and randomly in the day, it'll be, sorry, I didn't catch that. And it's like, dude, we weren't talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking to you. Yeah, I, ho I hope this was... Um, helpful to everybody out there to optimize your audio. Once again, uh, if you guys have further questions, uh, neither of us are computer geniuses, but we have messed around with this a lot. So if you have questions about optimizing your computer for audio production, please leave a comment in the DIY Recording Guys Facebook community. We hope you guys have a good week. Do some awesome recording out there. This is the DIY Recording Guys telling you to remember to check yourselves before you wreck yourself. All right, see you next time.
you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's workout at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. I'll see you next week.